0: and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show.
1: And greetings. Happy Monday. Hopefully you had a great weekend. Welcome to The Blaze Radio and TV live and on demand. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. We are going to, for the first time in 2019, open up the phone lines a little bit later on. I have some video in today's Truth Bomb. Then I want to get your reaction to, and we're going to do that in the next hour of the show. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. And we always love to know what you think about what we think via the SteveDace.com inbox. You can email us, Steve at SteveDace.com. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, at Steve Show. Coming up a little bit later on in this hour, an interesting proposition was put forth on national television last night that you could separate truth from morality and or morality from truth. We're going to talk a little bit about that uh, with our buddy Bob Vanderplatz coming up uh, in, uh, the bo- at the bottom of the hour. But we begin, as we always do, with an update on what happened while we were away.
2: What happened while we were away brought to you by I know how to do this better than almost anybody. Believe me. There are some times when a video so on point surfaces that I can't help but feature its entirety on what happened while we were away. Now this is a left-of-center digital media company, but despite being left-of-center, the following montage they produced is something you need to see. Nobody knows this stuff better than me.
3: Nobody knows more about taxes than I do and income than I do. Nobody knows more about about construction construction than I do. Nobody knows more about campaign finance than I do. I know more about drones than anybody. Nobody knows much more about technology, this type of technology, certainly, than I do. Nobody knows more about technology than me. Nobody's in the history of this country has ever known so much about infrastructure as Donald Trump. I know the H-1B, I know the H-2B. Nobody knows it better than me. I know more about ISIS than the generals do, believe me. I understand things, I comprehend very well, okay? Better than, I think, almost anybody. And by the way, who knew the other side of the picture better than me? I knew it. Nobody knows more about environmental impact statements than me. I understand the power of Facebook maybe better than almost anybody. I know more about renewables than any human being on Earth. Nobody knows more about Poles than me. I know more about courts than any human being on Earth. I know more about steelworkers than anybody that's ever run for office. I know more about golf than Obama knows. Nobody knows more about banks than I do. Nobody knows more about trade than me. Well, obviously, he doesn't know about nuclear weapons. I know more about nuclear weapons than he'll ever know. I understand the tax laws better than almost anyone. Who knows more about lawsuits than I do? I'm the king. I know more about offense and defense they will ever understand nobody even understands it but me it's called devaluation i understand money better than anybody i understand the system better than anybody nobody knows more about debt than i do nobody knows the game better than me i know more about contributions than anybody and who knows more about the word apprentice than donald trump i understand politicians better than anybody nobody knows politicians better than me. Who knows the other side better than me? Who knows the other side better than me? I think I know more about the other side than almost anybody. And I understand the other side. Perhaps I understand it better than anybody else. I was the fair-haired boy. Nobody knows more about it than me. I know more than these politicians. These guys don't know anything. I know a lot. I know more than I'm ever gonna tell you. (laughs) The truth is I'm actually a modest person. Very modest, it's true.
1: So, it is the year of no BS, so you need to know that uh, I am the one who suggested to Aaron he make that, his montage, in the way that, you know, when Bill Belichick suggests that you show up for voluntary off-season workouts in New England. Of course, they're voluntary. It's just a suggestion by the head coach
2: that you show up. You're on to voluntary workouts.
1: (laughs) Yes. All right, so I wanted that to be our montage today. Before I explain why, though, I want to get each of your reactions to this. Now, uh, this is like a control group study. Aaron, you knew this was coming, Mm -hmm. all right, Uh, because you had to because you're the one that's got to, you know, make sure it gets out over the air. Todd had no idea this was coming. Uh, We usually have an, you know, Aaron gives us the rundown every day of what's in the montage. So we are prepared to talk about it. You received, I just wanted the audience to verify, you you received no heads up, no rundown, nothing. None. I told you before the show today, about a half hour ago, uh, that you weren't going to get an update or a rundown. And I wanted your reaction to this cold. And that's all I told you. I gave you no hints, nothing at all about what you were about uh, to watch. Correct? Correct. Okay. So. What I want to do is begin first then with you, because you're going to give me, you've not seen this. No. So I want to have the most unfiltered reaction to it before I get to Aaron, because Aaron's watched a couple times now to get it ready for air. All right. And I don't want his perspective, having been through it a couple of times, to impact yours. And it's less likely your perspective will impact his because he's already watched this a couple of times, right? All right. So I want you to tell me right away. And and I don't have I don't I'm not even going to ask you just in general your instant reaction to what we just witnessed.
4: My reaction, and I was hoping they'd find a way to put it in there, uh, the believability. Of his level of omniscience on all those topics uh, requires uh, an answer that is Donald Trump himself asking the seven-year-old boy because uh, at seven believing in Santa's marginal, right? It's it's pretty much the same thing. Believing that mm, f- uh, way further than marginal, it, it's it's just humorous, and Donald Trump knows it's humorous, and it he knows it drives people nuts. I mean that that's. Uh, and those are the commercials. Uh, instead of talking about Trump as Hitler, I just ran into it again on social media this weekend. Oh, hateful bigot. No, that's Donald Trump right there. He's not a hateful bigot. He, he He's just the guy who comes into every room and does bull in a china shop. And most of the time in his life, he's gotten away with it. And he continues to get away with it. I give credit to this uh, this website. I don't know what they do on a regular basis. Uh, but if you want to beat him, uh, laugh at him. That, that's a far better tactic than calling him uh, a hateful bigot. And this gives me the same rumble in the belly of nonsense that it, uh, you saw me last week on multiple occasions with uh, Elizabeth Warren. I mean, th- these people are frauds on a human level. This is exposing that Uh, it's it's kind of the reason why we were never Trump in in the first place. It's also the reason why uh, we aren't now, because to take him that seriously, once he's president, this this is a guy you have to work with. And you'd rather pull him away from being the clown uh, than just letting the clown run roughshod. So, listen, I don't. I'm, I'm certainly not obsessed with it. This is this is hilarious, and it's a good way to beat him if you can continue to convince people you have a clown in the White House instead of calling him Hitler when most people aren't going to believe that.
1: And I, I'm not going to react to anything you said yet, all right? Because I, I want Aaron's sample to be untainted by my take on it. Aaron.
2: Yeah, I'm a lot less uh, – not that I ever was anxious, but it's just Trump – His persona, his personality, after watching that a couple times, I'm oddly um, soothed. (laughs) I'm oddly um, less anxious, less upset about the way he is on a daily basis because it's a reminder that, oh, yeah, this is who he is. Donald Trump, what I'm about to say I think is very important, um, and this is coming from a 25-year-old, so take that for what it's worth. Donald Trump is not like most of you. He's not like most of us. And I don't mean that in the way of Harry Potter is not like most of us or Anakin Skywalker was not like most of his. No, let's stay on planet Earth here. He's not like most of us. Most of us will never and have never lived in the world that Donald Trump has lived in. Most, pretty much 99% of us, are never going to get a million dollar loan from their dad. To start their own business we're never going to develop real estate we're never going to swindle and con people we're never going to have a fixer at our side this is the type of person that Donald Trump is so he this is this is his natural habitat these superlatives the way he thinks about himself this is the air that he breathes this is the water that he swims in because this is what he does and this is what he has been doing for his entire life, he makes deals, he makes people, he, he, he lets people project onto him their very, very best notions about who he is. But he has to suggest them to them. He says he is the most likable narcissist, I think, that, and sometimes he's not likable. But when he's on one-on-one, you've, you've stated this before, Steve, uh, how he's very personable, he has got to be the most likable narcissist on the face of the planet. And you see that in that series of nobody's better. That's just a way, I think, for Donald Trump to start suggesting to whoever's listening to him, project your hopes and dreams, whatever they are, doesn't matter what they are, project your hopes and dreams upon me because I know more about your hopes and dreams than anybody else. I think that's, that's what it is. And again, kind of bringing this full circle again. It's just a reminder that he is not like most of us. So why get upset at every single tweet he sends or every boneheaded thing he says when he is, he, this is just who he is? Again, that's hard to remember, and tomorrow I'm going to be upset about something he tweets or something he says. We all will, but it is oddly soothing again.
1: So I want, again, to reinforce with our audience, Todd had no idea— this was going to be how I wanted to open the show today. Aaron knew, but I didn't tell him why. And I just told him, uh, recall the text I sent you about this this morning. There's a couple of uh, things in relationship to this. I think we need to discuss with the audience. And that's all that I said, right?
4: Mm-hmm. Okay. I have a feeling like you had a moment in the shower, which caused you to write a book <laughs> once. And this is the same thing coming down the pike.
1: Um, you guys' reactions, without me prompting you or priming the pump whatsoever, both of your reactions um, overwhelmingly or have overwhelmingly touched on the reasons. There's not all of them, but overwhelmingly the reasons why I wanted to open the show with this today. Okay. Um, I want to start with with what you pointed out. And I think that, you made a very important point. This is a more devastating attack than the Trump is Hitler stuff. And if you are a hardcore Trump supporter, I don't mean someone who's a conservative who wanted one of the other 16 candidates to win the primary and, and went in there and voted against Hillary. I'm not talking to you. I mean, if you're a, if you're a hardcore Trump supporter... Now we talk about three dimensional thinking on this show. know why you believe what you believe know why other know why other people believe what they believe is the second dimension, and the third dimension is know why other people believe what they believe about what you believe. If you're a hardcore trump supporter and you have friends and family members who are not hardcore leftists, so they're just ideologically they just aren't going to somebody with an R after their name, no matter what, okay um but you have friends and family members who aren't hardcore leftists, but they can't stand this guy. If you want to know why, it is not the Trump is Hitler, Trump is, is Stalin stuff. So in 2017, Trump was a fascist. In 2018, Trump was literally Hitler. In 2019, Donnie Deutsch is on MSNBC saying, if you're a Jew, if you're black, you're brown, he's coming for you. So in 2019, he's bed intruder. Okay, hide your kids, hide your wives, all right? That's not, the the non-hardened leftist in your family or your circle of friends isn't moved by that. They don't don't care. It's that that they don't like. That right there. Because they think the guy's a total con man, swindler, phony, like Aaron said. And so that's the second dimension. And then the third dimension is know why other people believe what they believe about what you believe. This is why you can't change their minds, because they don't understand why you're falling for it. Again, I'm not choosing sides. I'm calling balls and strikes. Okay, I'm the weatherman here. I, I don't I don't alter the forecast. I'm not responsible for the forecast. I'm just telling you based on where based on cloud cover, humidity rates, uh, and barometric pressure why, what the weather will be tomorrow. I, I am not responsible for any of those factors. They can't understand why you are into this. They don't know what, what you find appealing about it. Beyond the, that, that, they understand you voting against Hillary. See, I think there's this notion that Trump w- was the first, I, I've said my whole career, when elections are about issues, Republicans win, and when they're about personalities, Democrats win. And I think there's this notion that Trump is the first presidential candidate on the Republican side in the modern era to win an election on personalities. I don't believe that's true. Just like I, I started telling you at this time last year, I don't buy into uh, – I, I think we're going to sit here. I said it all year long. My, I wasn't going to make a prediction because I wasn't sure my model was 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 broken after the 2016 election. But my hunch was what? that we were going to sit here at the end of the year and come to the conclusion we looked at the voting results, we should have just predicted this outcome all along. Too many open Senate seats in places where Trump won, too many retirements and swing districts in places where Hillary won, and they would have a split verdict. What election did we get at the end? That. That. So I don't think the, I don't think, I think the great lie is that Trump has changed things. I don't think he's changed anything. I don't, I don't think any of the fundamentals are different. I think, I think, again, go back to what I said at the end of the last election. This is the zaniest frosting. This is like the jolt cola of frostings, okay? It's got like 70 grams of sugar now instead of 48. But the cake hasn't changed. The frosting's a lot different, but the cake hasn't changed. I don't think Trump's changed anything. I think what happened in the last election is both of them were so far underwater in their negatives that personality didn't really apply. What were the top two issues when you looked at the exit polling? The top two issues were, number one, the economy. Well, that we were coming out of eight years under, under Obama with sluggish growth. We had the highest amount of, of, uh, of uh, people not in the labor force of all time. We had the highest rate of food stamp recipients of all time. So the economy wasn't a good issue for which party, Republicans or Democrats? Democrats. Democrats. I didn't even throw in what had happened to all of your health care rates because of Obamacare. So the economy already wasn't a good issue for them. What was the number two issue? Courts. Courts were the number two issue, judicial appointments. Who was that? Who made that a centerpiece issue of their campaign? That would be Trump. Trump, yeah. Trump did not win a personality contest, guys. He won
4: a contest on the issues. The, we said actually we'll just accept that grotesque personality because these issues matter so much. That's right. That's, that's it.
1: Yes. Yes. That's it right there. Yes. So the fundamentals of this have not changed whatsoever. The problem the Democratic Party has is the message that resonates the most with the people in your circle of friends and family members who may not be hardened leftists, but would be inclined to vote for them, is a message most of them don't want to utilize. The message that resonates is the one that's in that montage. That's a clown. Essentially, Todd, your defense of that was Trump's not Hitler. Hey, our guy's not Hitler. He just has narcissistic personality disorder. Uh. Get your polemic right. Was that essentially your, your yes. defense?
4: Yes. Okay.
1: That, that's just like the Hitler stuff moves a very small amount of people that are already predisposed to vote left no matter who they nominate. That defense moves a very small amount of people, and they're all watching Hannity tonight for an update on Hillary Clinton's email server, and they're going to vote Republican, particularly for Trump, no matter what. And the zanier he gets, the worse he gets. The more the they will just take that as, and that's more of how I just want to flip a middle finger to the system. So there's nothing he could do to lose their vote. That, again, is when it, that, is the, that is the rights version of, uh, of, of the Hitlerist stuff. It moves a very small amount of people, and they were all going to vote your way anyway. But there's a lot of non-ideologically driven people that can't freaking stand what's there. And I think what you're going to watch play out this year, because the Democratic primary is not next year. It is this year. Next year will be the horse race, where the actual voting. But this is the year that's going to decide how the electorate gets framed and which candidates survive. Just like the, 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 the primary in, on the Republican side was really in 2015. They just voted in 2016. But in 2015, they sifted through the candidates. All right, Skywalker, reform and growth. He's hired every terrible GOP consultant. Gone. All right. Uh, You know, uh, Ted Cruz calling uh, Mitch McConnell a liar to his face. We like that in Donald Trump, just dropping trow on everybody. We like that in that was the sifting process that decided who would get votes in 2016. And that's what's going to happen this year on the Democratic side. This is the the primary is now the sifting process is now all that's happening. All that's going to happen next year is each individual camps proxy will will uh, survive the sifting process and decide who gets those votes. And so what we had, is, what we had in the Republican side is: 2015 was the sifting process, and 2016 determined Trump will be the, you know, I just want something totally different candidate. Cruz will be the, uh, it's time for real conservatism again candidate. Rubio will be the consultant class candidate. That's all that was decided. And Kasich will be the, I hate, the, I hate the conservative base more than Democrat candidate. That's all that those and and the, those we were always going to have those four candidates. It was just a matter of which names were going to be in place of the proxy. That's all. And, and, and see, on the Democratic side, really, you're going to watch this year a two pronged sifting. And the two pronged sifting is I want America to be Sweden, uh, or um, I want to win the election. Those are really the only two camps on the Democratic side. I want America to be Sweden, or I want to win the election. And you're going to have, if there's, you're going to have most of the candidates running in the I want to be America to be Sweden uh, primary, pre-primary, where they're going to have that sifting process. You're going to have very few running over here in the I want to win. As far as I can tell right now, only two will: Biden will. And if Beto O'Rourke runs, he will. He'll run in this one over here, too. And what you're going to watch transpire this year is, because the guy in that video is not going to change. Barring, uh, you know, barring watching a, a United States president in real time. You know, I went through a faith conversion and have gone through an, ongoing sanctification process in real time over the course of my radio career. So barring you get a chance to see something like that happen with a president in real time for the first time, a real faith conversion, barring that happening in the the heart of Donald J. Trump, the man in in that montage is what you're going to see between now and Election Day 2020. That won't change unless... Something from above changes it. So what the Democratic Party is going to have to decide this year, gentlemen, is does it want to win the argument America should be Sweden or does it want to beat Donald Trump? Because if it wants to beat Donald Trump, that montage is a devastating line of attack and they will sweep suburban voters nationwide. I promise you I live in the suburbs. I promise you that's true. It, they will destroy him with that. Now, it won't be a total route because there's too many states they can't win no matter what because of the balkanization process, but it'll look very similar to the House election. That argument with a likable candidate, every place they can win, they will win. But if they want to win the argument, become Sweden. That persona actually then becomes almost an advantage. Because it goes from grading to what Aaron described. Give me the typical egotistical politician over the person that, you know, is is reading Das Kapital in between sets on CNN.
4: Particularly if you are getting the policy you want to go back where you started with this. If he's going after uh, border security and things like that, then you're like, well, of course I accept this. This is the kind of personality that gets that done.
1: And Yes, that's how you would justify it, yes. even if it doesn't. No, right, but that's right, how right. you would rationalize it in your mind. Yes. I, I agree. And, and so the constant here will be Donald Trump. I mean, to, to quote uh, Billy Shakespeare, he is as constant as the North Star. Uh, he will not change un- unless the Holy Spirit comes into his life. That's not that act. It's, it's, it's worked for him, as Aaron pointed out. It has conned, swindled, defeated how many people since his daddy gave him that million-dollar loan right out of Wharton School of Business. It, it, it's got a pretty good win percentage. It, 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 he's the splendid splinter. He's the Ted freaking Williams of con men. That at, he ain't, so why change what, has, what keeps If it ain't broke, why fix it, right? He's not going to change. It's the, that shtick works. Which brings me to the second point of this I wanted. Because to me, most of this is about how the Democratic Party is going to respond to that. Because that is a devastating line of attack in my view. Devastating. With a likable candidate. If you don't have a like, if Hillary Clinton runs that ad, it doesn't change any minds, I don't believe. I think all the people that we, we, we rerun, we re-rack the 2016 election, and maybe Wisconsin flips because Hillary's not dumb enough to never visit there again. But, but the, 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 the overall narrative of the election doesn't change because nobody liked her that wasn't getting a check from her. But run that with somebody people like, that they could foresee watching on television for four years. And that's a devastating line of attack. So we have about five minutes, which is good because this is the part of the conversation, again, is is, is the year of no BS. This is the part of the conversation I was nervous about having. So I didn't intend to save it until the very end and only have five minutes to talk about it. Providentially, it just worked out that way. Because then there's another aspect of this conversation that gets really uncomfortable. I still don't, I understand why everybody who voted for him in November of 2016 did what they did. Totally understand it. I get it. I can make a moral case for it. And at the time, we did, even, though when, even when we weren't going to vote for him. We still could make the moral case for voting for him in that circumstance. What I still cannot grasp and understand, and maybe it's because I don't want to, and I just don't want to admit that to myself. What I don't understand, because a lot of those clips came from the primary cycle. I remember them. What I don't understand is why over 20 million people in our own primary, when there were other options on the table, glommed onto that and said, I can't get enough. That's the part I still can't wrap my mind around. And we don't spend as much time talking about it because he's president now. And it's more about what's for the future of the country, but there's going to come a time. He won't be president. And that base of people that, that became enamored with that act in the primary most of them are still going to be there while he's gone. Well, I mean, we're still having many of the same policy arguments that Obama initiated. He's just not in office right now, right? So ha- wrap your mind around that. It's wrap, wrap your mind around the, your conservative buddy at your parish, who in, the, who in our Iowa caucus, when he barely campaigned here, he had no organization here, went out and voted for that two years ago. Or three years ago. Why? Well,
4: it's a combination of two things. And within each individual, uh, you need to find out what the ratio is. But but one of them is because that's a reflection of who they are uh, on some level. They approach uh, their life, their interactions uh, on some level uh, in that way the other one and it's uh more understandable is the simple fact that uh they they have, you mentioned the category of anything but mm-hmm. you you know how many people are just uh exhausted by the swamp the system call it what you want and burn it all down we heard that over and over and over again we said it ourselves so uh that's i uh, that's the one that's more rational uh, to a point but also we we know you just said it uh, last week, I think it was on Friday, it might have been Thursday, where you said, if something to the effect, if this is what you want, if this is what you believe, you said it multiple times, and the, I don't want it. I don't want you to come, listen, mm-hmm. be part of what we're doing, because that's entirely different what we are about. Those per- kind of people on the right, big, big tarp, big tarp, um, they, they share a lot in common. Uh, now, Aaron just got done talking. We, we we don't share in common with Donald Trump the circumstances of our life. But in terms of the personality type, yeah. the constant all hat and no cowboy. Yeah. Oh, Steve. Yeah.
2: All over the place. It's an important distinction and don't have very much time to, to flesh that out. But that is that is the distinction that needs to be made. And I, I think I explained it last week as well. Um, people the, – the reason why likability um, is so important in elections is that – People like them, some me. And if they can project themselves uh, upon a candidate, Mm -hmm. then they're more likely to vote for said candidate. At least that's what I would think.
4: Hmm.
1: When we come back, can truth and morality be separated? That was actually suggested on 60 Minutes on national television last night. We'll discuss. Stay tuned here, live on demand on The Blaze. Next. Well, with the new year, we are proud to announce a new cause we are partnering to support here on the Steve Day Show on uh, Blaze TV. It's called Back to Jerusalem. It's an organization that works with persecuted Christians in closed countries. Uh, they're based in communist China. They believe the one thing that changes a nation for the better, even more than a vibrant economy, even more than a good education system, even more than a limited government, or even a welfare state, the one thing that changes a country for the better more than anything else is hope. And that's the hope that we find in the Bible that changes nations. They believe that free nations are built on God-given rights that give man hope and that those are the rights found in the Bible. The raw hope found in the Bible that transforms a nation faster than bombs or even sanctions. Unfortunately, though, closed nations do not allow Christians to have a Bible because they don't want that transformation to take place. And that's why they've invented the world's first pill-sized electronic Bible. It's small enough. You could even swallow it uh, if you wanted to. Uh, Yet it contains the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. And for the price of a couple of fast food meals, you can help to give hope to persecuted uh, Christians and lift nations up by giving them access to the word of God. For only $15, you can help us deliver this pill-sized electronic Bible in places like China, North Korea, Iran. Somalia. Back to Jerusalem is the vision of reaching all of the nations between the borders of China and Jerusalem. These nations are the most aggressive nations against the message of Jesus Christ. So you can join together with us to provide 10,000 of these electronic Bibles into some of the darkest areas of the world North Korea, China, Somalia, and Iran today. Please support Back to Jerusalem, the Pill Bible Project, by visiting blazehelp.org. Let me give that website again, blazehelp.org, or you can call 844-305-0566. That's 844-305-0566. And for the first time in 2019, we welcome back to the program our good friend Bob Vander Plaats from The Family Leader. Good to see you, brother. How are you? Good to see you.
5: Happy New Year to you. How are your holidays? Good? Yeah, you know, we had a great time. All the boys were home. It was a party. And now they're all back doing whatever they do. And so uh, we're having fun again as well.
1: All right. You ready to get going?
5: I'm ready to get going. Let's do it.
1: So uh, last night, uh, I I am kind of getting Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez out already. I'm kind (laughs) of getting sick of it. Um, But last night she was given her biggest platform yet. Uh, She was uh, at the center of a major uh, profile done by 60 Minutes. And there's a clip that aired... And, and I don't know where 60 Minutes ranks now in the ratings. I mean, for a lot of years when I was growing up, it was the number one non-live sporting event television show in the country. I don't know if that's still the case or not. My
5: guess is not.
1: Probably not, given uh, how our news media has evolved with the new technology. But it's still a pretty substantial platform. Sure it is. And at the very least, it is a sign that, um, the ruling class is taking you seriously. I think we would, would we all agree on that. You bet. Getting that as a platform is a sign that the ruling class is, has sort of recognized you as an official nation, right? Okay. So she was being interviewed last night and there was one particular exchange that I think it would be fascinating if we discussed. Here it is.
6: One of the criticisms of you is that your math is fuzzy. The Washington Post recently awarded you four Pinocchios. Oh my goodness. For uh, misstating some statistics about Pentagon spending if people want to really blow up one figure here or one word there, I would argue that they're missing the forest for the trees. I think that there's a lot of people more concerned about being precisely, factually, and semantically correct than about being morally right. But being factually correct is important. It's absolutely important. And Whenever I make a mistake, I say, okay, this was clumsy. And then I restate what my point was. Um, But it's, it's not the same thing as the president lying about immigrants. It's not the same thing at all.
1: What she is essentially saying there, what she's essentially saying there is that truth and morality can be separated. And... That while truth is important, in her view, morality when it when it conflicts with truth, morality takes precedence, and that there and 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 that's an that's a simple calculation for her to make, because the basis of her morality is an emotional premise, and so when the emotional need takes hold, or when she when she discerns according to her viewpoint that the emotional need is high. Things that may get in the way of meeting that emotional need become secondary, even if they are truth, facts, etc. I want you, Bob, to respond to that from her first. And then I'm going to have a follow-up question. What are your thoughts on that?
5: Well, when I was listening to her, I thought, you know, can't we have yes and? Can't we be factual and be moral at the same time? If I think that's the way it, it should line up. But when as listeners, like, don't ever let facts get in the way of a good story. <laughs> don't ever let facts get in the way of a of a real emotion is what you're alluding to here. And I think what it's saying is that you know the facts don't matter. It's a little bit like uh, God created the male and female. Uh, that doesn't matter anymore. It's what your emotion emotionally. It,
1: I have these desires and I want to look pretty. It's instead.
5: emotion. I, it's 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 a feeling. You know. Uh, God had them leave their mother and father to become one. Well, that's not really what marriage is. We can have marriage be something else. So therefore, when you look at it through those lens, you can see where that would sum up of that, hey, listen, I'm okay to be fuzzy on the facts and and all that stuff, but I want to get to what, when she says morality, it's the definition of her morality, not the definition of what is truth. That's a whole different question of what would be her reality versus what is your morality.
1: So here's my follow-up question. Why is that any different what she just said and what you just explained and how I just defined what I believe she means? Why is that any different than Jerry Falwell Jr. saying, I don't believe there's anything Trump could do? To embarrass the country because in his mind, he's made the calculation that the preeminent need of of having Donald Trump be president of the United States, the, the needing of an emotional desire that must be met supersedes facts supersedes truth or robert jeffress or many of the other trump shilling clowns we have seen or people who say well you know i don't you know um my problem with the adultery is that stormy daniels uh, ran her mouth about it okay i mean there there's i i there's tons of this hap this notion that this is confined to the american left oh it is not not even close we have we have and i believe this for the longest time that it was germane to the american left it it still may be the 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 fruits of the progressive spirit, if you will, but it is systemic in American culture today. Well,
5: it's the end justifies the means. Yes, and so you you go to Jerry Falwell Jr. and he and I have not had that conversation, but I'd have this conversation privately with him uh if we're if we're able to have it. And that is, you are no longer debating Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton because that's where a lot of them go. Of Of course, because of the selection of judges. Of course, because whatever, that's why Donald Trump could do no wrong. We still need to go down Trump. The fact is you can have yes and if you're Jerry Falwell Jr. as well, you still can pray for your president. You still can cheer him on when he does right. But I mean, for goodness sakes, the person's still a human being, he's gonna make mistakes. And when he goes outside the lines, especially when it's very clear violations of principles and values or of truths that we hold dear, it's our responsibility to call him out on it, to confront him, to be the Nathan to the David. So for you to say that it's not confined to the left, I totally agree. The right does it all the time. What we do is we justify the team member wearing our jersey or the value that wears our jersey. And that's what she's doing here. It's not about facts. It's about my feelings, about my emotion. It's about my morality. And her morality is going to be different than Trump's morality. It's going to be different from, say, our morality.
1: To me, it's – she's making the argument that you describe Jerry Falwell as making for Trump. She's making the exact same argument. Just substitute Trump for uninsured people. Sure. Substitute Trump for people that she views as historically disadvantaged.
5: Or for open borders. Yes. Or for
1: whatever and, it might be. And, and so she's going to say – The emotional need in her mind, she's done the math. The emotional need for people of squalor to get out of that situation and come to a country of wealth and welfare state largesse. That 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 math matters the most to her, and so those other those other um, facts that contradict her desire are irrelevant, immaterial, not even worthy of considering. This is the this this exact same argument. I I ran into. I won't even. You know what? I'd call them out if it was like more than one, but it was like fourteen. There was like a dozen people on, on conservative media on my feed this morning, trashing her for what she said here. But they but yesterday and then today and tomorrow, when Trump makes this exact same disconnect,
5: you're saying look in the mirror.
1: Well, ha- yes, we'll have nothing to say whatsoever, and uh, you know I would prefer not to lose this culture. To the likes of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I can promise you, though, that if indeed um, it's emotionalism versus emotionalism, moral subjectivism versus moral subjectivism, we aren't the silent majority anymore. We are, we, if that's the ground we want to fight her on, we're going to lose to the likes oh, of Oh, she
5: her. wins every time. Matter of fact, I would say to those with a Christian worldview, that, and we, we've said on the show plenty of times, that is look higher think bigger. We don't serve Trump. Trump happens to be a vehicle right now in the White House in the most powerful office uh, in the land, but we don't serve him. We don't worship him. We have to look higher and think bigger. When you take a look at uh, Representative Ortez here, you'll hear think bigger, look higher is what? It's the government. It's the state. It's the state. It's a status approach. And that can be based on what Hillary Clinton said in the third debate with Donald Trump about, I want to appoint judges who understand the way the world works, meaning it's an evolving standard. So whatever our feeling, whatever our emotion is, there's no foundational truth. There's no contu- constitutional realities whatsoever. And that's basically what she's saying right here. So for, I would say those with a Christian worldview, think bigger, look higher, understand that it's not Trump or it's not any one person that we worship or that deserves our honor or our servanthood. And for her, though, the thing bigger, look higher, it's the state, and it's all based
1: then—it can be based on emotion. You look like you're chomping at the bit to comment on this.
4: Well, there there is a—I've been thinking about this a little bit. There, there is a version—people keep saying—and it can be both, but there is a version of morality uh, that uh, doesn't have to be attached to facts, and all of us have experienced it in our own lives. It's called hate. This— that, when you've had that feeling, that fire in your belly, you, you'll see the big warnings. You plow right past them because people are going to get what they deserve. Uh, when your morality is love, love cannot by definition be untethered from facts. It is a—love at the end of the day is not unreasonable. It is super rational, but it is all, It is still reasonable at its heart. Uh, and, and we are clearly living in a tribalistic society that is guided by hate over and over and over again.
5: You know, Todd, when you bring that up, I, I presented with a, a person that you guys know well, Donna Redwing, at a university campus. And their notion was, since I believe marriage should be between one man, to one woman. Tell our woman, audience who
1: Donna Redwing is. Donna was.
5: Redwing is the head of the LGBT community group here in the state of Iowa, who's now passed away. But at that time, she was the head of, the, of Iowa's largest LGBTQ organization. And so she and I were having a conversation in front of a large student, student audience with a lot of cameras, and the notion they had was, since I believe marriage between one man, one woman, united in Christ, that I had to hate Donna because she believed differently. And I said to them, and it was kind of an aha moment for me, I could see it in their eyes, I said, you know, it doesn't have to be an either or. Why can't I love Donna and love the institution of marriage? I think I can do both, but in our our the way we think today, the way we're brought up to the way, the way it's put on whatever media you watch today, is that if they don't believe like you do, you must hate them immediately, and there you're right. So you're now attaching yourself to a morality, and if you don't believe in my morality, then I've got to hate my neighbor. If I don't believe, if you don't believe in my morality, I got to hate your politics. I got to hate your candidate, whatever it might be. And that's uh, a long ways from the truth as far as I'm concerned. And all
4: concerned. we need to do to epitomize this is to go back uh, to the garden. Steve, you fleshed that out quite a bit last year. Uh, it's the, the fall of man starts first with the fall uh, of Lucifer. He simply... Hates uh, God and uh, and and the the way God has presented creation and the way He set it up. He wants to do it different. So what does he start doing? Facts are ignored. Did God really say? Did God say? really say? Yeah.
5: Right. It's the question: Can can one person really save the world? It's the whole doubt deal. You know, I put doubt in. Therefore, if if you know what, if it's really something I can doubt, then I can make my own facts as well. And that's basically what she's saying. I give Anderson credit, or Anderson Cooper some credit for at least calling her out on it. But then I don't think he did a whole lot of follow-up.
1: I'm not concerned. Well, let me rephrase that. I'm not primarily concerned that a pagan progressive millennial who has bought the historical canard of socialism, which – is on the ash heap of history in the last century and, and which she, you know, obviously didn't uh, barely live through and was indoctrinated against given where she went to school. So she didn't witness this history in real time. Okay. But I'm not concerned that someone outside of, 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 of historical knowledge and the, and God's covenant is falling for pagan schemes. I'm not, Really concerned, primarily concerned about that, nor am I shocked or stunned or offended in the least. I I think we have to ask ourselves how has someone of her clearly novice understanding of history and the world and recent events, how is it, who's, I think the average household worth in her district is 1.6 million. Or average average real estate value or something in the district she represents, how how or maybe it's where she grew up. I can't remember which, but how is it she's gaining such a foothold? But uh, but she's it's not just her. It, she's not alone. We saw a guy who's not nearly as pretty as her, who's not nearly as as doesn't isn't nearly as, as as attractive on screen as her, and did live through all this history. Of his, where he, where he watched in in real time, his worldview defeated and annihilated and fail everywhere it was tried. That's Bernie Sanders. Sure, got 17 million votes or whatever it was in the Democratic primary four, two years ago or three years ago. So we're acting like Ocasio-Cortez is this new thing. No, she's just the latest manifestation of the thing that's actually happening right now. So the we, thing,
5: go ahead. Well, the thing it is, Steve, is that when you go back to scripture. One of the key words in scripture all the time is remember why remember because so you don't forget but the fact we always look at the israelites going how stupid are those guys but the fact is when when you are living in the land flowing with milk and honey and you've got everything so good and so so why not just start doing everything on your terms and so therefore you start calling out what the scriptures basically saying you know well who is god is there i mean i'm god I can determine all this and I shouldn't have to worry about stuff that that's just ancient history type things. We should be able to redistribute on our terms, take other people's money and give it away the way we want to give it away. And who are you to say that's not gonna work? And plus it sells. And so these people a lot I mean, you take a look at Warren Buffett, Warren Buffett's pretty well to do. And yet he's kind of in that same genre. Well, not as well. kind
1: of. Yeah. He's so, a massive funder of it. It yeah, doesn't so, matter. He's, so, he's the nicer George Soros.
5: So when you start getting to that, I mean, in the whole prosperity of things, we can't believe a day when there's no United States. just like Rome couldn't believe there's a day there'd be no Rome. And pretty soon we start questioning, who is God? I'm God. So therefore, I get to make my own rules, my own facts, my own feelings, my own emotions. And I get to—I can situate the world the way I want it to be on my terms because that's the way we want to do it ever since we were two when we said that's mine.
1: I think the difference, though, you're right, is the we is much bigger and has expanded. Oh, without question. And the we is wearing our uniform. And and, and it's a little bit like— would you expect to— let's, You mean
5: this let's, isn't confined just to her? No.
1: To the left? No. In fact, let's go to your tribalistic <laughs> notion in the two minutes we have left. Let's buy into the tribe and that it's America's—I'll I'll buy all that, the premises of, of a de facto civil war. How? What would your odds be of winning if you kept leaking um intel and tactics about yourself to the other side? What would be your odds of winning? Less. Less. I think they would be substantially less. Yes. We are doing a version of that. We're doing a version of that. I mean, Sean Hannity has the best ratings he ever had. He's ever had, and it, and he's still talking about Hillary's email server. Tell me who cares? You defeated her. She's gone. Okay, and so this is this is this is the same thing that Ocasio Cortez and Bernie Sanders are doing. It's just with your own uniform on. To me, that's a far more de- that's far more devastating to the future. If that's what the opposite, if the opposition is the same thing that we're opposed to, just with a different language and uniform.
5: Well, we're both 10 starting. Seconds. We're we're both starting to find our own solution in the same source.
1: Yeah, and that's government. And the source is bad. <laughs> He's back with Hour Two here, live and on demand on the Blaze. I am Steve Days. Todd and Aaron are here with me. We're going to open up the phone lines for the rest of this hour and hopefully hear from some of you at 888-90-3393. I'm going to let you know what we're going to be talking about here in just a few moments. I've got a truth bomb I want to drop. And then I want to know what you in the audience think about it. 888-900-3393. Uh, if you want a little tease, I posted it up on our Facebook wall last night. So you can like us there and check that out. Follow us on Twitter as well, at Steve Dace Show, or just email the program. Uh, if you want to let us know what you think about what we think uh, that way, Steve, at stevedace.com. D-E-A-C-E is the email address. So uh, we had this long Christmas vacation and uh, that we take every year. And I get, uh, I get a text from the wife while I'm at the gym one of the days that I actually went while I was on vacation. And uh, she's like, hey, did, did, did you spend uh, a few hundred bucks uh, that I don't know about? And I said, no. That's usually not good. That email or that text, right? Uh-oh. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So I did the, uh, aw, the the middle-aged white guy version of Aw Snap. All right, we got on the horn, and there were a couple of – well, what had happened is someone had bought, like, one postage stamp, which is, like, I don't even know what they cost now, like two three bucks is what a postage stamp is, I think. Okay. And, and then after that, like an hour later, there was another uh, – thing made it a sporting good that's why she thought maybe it was me someone had spent several hundred bucks off of her debit card at like the sports Authority's website or something like that okay in other words someone did a minor charge to see if the card would work if it would clear and then when it did up the ante a little bit okay and uh we immediately got a hold of our bank and they took care of it uh and we started figuring out hey you know where did you use your debit card that, cause we're trying to figure out, well, who the, well, first of all, the bank wanted to know whose debit card was it that got uh, hijacked and then figured out the charge came from hers. So her and I start doing the math in our heads, you know, where we've been the last few weeks, where have, you know, other than, cause she, we pay all our bills electronically. We're all, if we go out to eat, we're almost always together. If we go to a movie, we're almost always together. So the limit of places that could have been responsible for uh, you know, her debit card being exposed. We're trying to figure out who it might be. And lo and behold, we found that a few months, over the last few months, we went through the records and there were only two or three places where she went different than or frequent something different than where I go. And one of them, I kid you not, was a Marriott owned hotel property <laughs> And when we figured that out, you know because Amy is work is, is working with the kids, we homeschool or and she's got a counseling practice you know she's she's not listening to this during the day or really at any part during the day, frankly. And so she saw the look on my face as we were going through this and she's like, what's the what does that mean? I said, I've been doing these live reads on the show for the last few weeks of the year. About this massive data breach via the Marriott Corporation, and what is it? like five hundred million people had their uh, identities, their customer names, their card numbers, financial information, etc you know uh, breached via Marriott.
4: do you feel like a number, Steve to quote yes an old song? yes,
1: Bob Seeger, I do you know, so it listen we're not just whistling Dixie here by saying you need to check into stuff like this. I I literally went through this while I was home for Christmas break and you know, your most valuable asset is your home. And that's why you want to take a look at a company like home title lock, because if they're getting all your financial information, they can, they can just go on the assessor or recorder uh, you know, whoever in your community, your state, whoever keeps track of land purchases and things of that nature, they can go on there, forge a signature. And if they've got the your financial information that indicates, hey, they know who you are, that, you know, that's what that site uses to verify your identity. They can, without you even knowing it, get hold of your home title and liquidate all that equity in your home If you've got A lot of different homes Like maybe you do Rental properties uh, As a side job Or that's your you living If you know Anybody in your life Who's a retiree And they're not Necessarily the most Tech savvy But they've lived In that home For a long time And built up Years after year After year of equity Those are the kinds Of people that are Especially vulnerable Alright So it's just Pennies on a day Home title lock They put a virtual Barrier around Your home's title And the minute They detect Any sinister Activity at all They're on it To help shut it down You can sign up Right now Now, to find out if your home's already been compromised, it's free. Free title scan and report for our viewers and listeners here at The Blaze via HomeTitleLock.com. That's a $100 value right there for free. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. All right, let's get to today's Truth Bomb, a totally contrived segment by yours truly, in order to justify, without being too heavy-handed, Promotions of pre-sales for my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe, to Our Own Demise, which releases in eight days, January 15th across the country. Pre-orders happening right now at Amazon.com. All right, so today's Truth Bomb comes courtesy of Mick Mulvaney. Who is the acting chief of staff, correct? Uh, in the in the Trump yes. White House right now? Uh, and this was he was on one of the Sunday morning shows that I'm guessing most of you who have lives didn't watch. Good for you, by the way. But he said something interesting, I think, and
7: noteworthy. He said this: here's one thing that I didn't hear throughout our entire interview. What it's is the president you didn't ask? What is the President offering the Democrats? What, what's the offer on their side? Right now, it only is clear what the president wants. Um, let me tell you, because I came up the other day in the, in the, in the private meeting with the, with, the, with the big eight, as they call them, the leaders from the House and the Senate, Republicans and Democrats, was that he was willing to agree, and he mentioned this at the Rose Garden press conference, to take a concrete wall off the table. That, 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 is, that If that is not evidence of our willingness to, 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 to solve the problem, because again, what's driving this is the president's desire to change the conditions at the border, and if he has to give up a concrete wall and replace it with a steel fence in order to do that, so that Democrats can say, "See, he's not building a wall anymore," so, that should help us move. So you in you the want the, right the headline direction. to be the president no longer wants a wall. He wants a fence. The president is going to secure the border with a barrier. Would he say it it that way? Would he say it that way? Is he comfortable saying, no, not going to have the wall? And by the way, Mexico's never paying. I I think he said yesterday it was going to be a a 30-foot high steel. He actually tweeted a picture out of it two weeks ago. And we told the Democrats this two weeks ago. This is what we want to build. Do you think this is a wall? Actually, under the way the law is written right now, technically it's not a wall. Um, But if, if that's not evidence of the president's desire to try and resolve this, I don't know what is. Mike Mulvaney, I think we ran over. Appreciate your time. The that cur-
1: clip courtesy of uh, Meet the Press yesterday. Okay. So here's what I want to do. I want to know what you think of that clip. What you think of that messaging from the White House. And again, I wanna I want to ask that. <laughs> got to
4: the state of my
1: Don't say anything yet. Don't say anything yet. I'm going to let, I, I, I do, I will get your take, I promise, okay? But I, I really, I, I, I want to know, I want to know what you think, uh, sure. okay? <laughs> 888-900-3393. I, I posted this on my Facebook wall, and the comments are all over the place. I mean, it. it's an inkblot. They are literally all over the place. And so I want to know what you think of the, that messaging on the government shutdown that's ongoing, the partial, I should say, uh, the partial government shutdown that is ongoing that most of America seemingly is able to live and move on without. Your view of that messaging, 888 900 is the number here on the show. 888 900 And I would like to say and, and provide my own insight as little as possible, not not that I, I I'm shy about giving my opinion. That's why I do this for a living, but because I think um, this is definitely a case where your opinion in our audience, minus any um, uh, any tampering uh, on my part, is is more important. 888-900-3393. So now it's odd. Oh, you want me to tamper? Yeah, well, you're you are you're part of the audience. You're gonna you you are welcome to to lead it off. Okay.
4: I'll just say that entire conversation was almost totally without substance. Who cares what you call it? Call it a banana. CNN. It, if it, it are we really interested in solving a problem or are we? Just blind simple fence, concrete. I, who, I, I can't believe that was what two grown men were talking about. Furthermore, this guy, you, you are asking him if he's willing to concede anything when he has conceded everything, this entire presidency. There was no transgender pullback. There, there's Obamacare is still there. This is the worst fascist ever. Just the line of questioning as if Trump is the only person sitting there, I won't move while Democrats are constantly uh, 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 negotiating uh, and flexible. Good grief. We just saw the fact that that's not true with Ocasio-Cortez. I just There was not a single sane, lucid, real moment in that entire dialogue.
1: So what do you think the purpose of it was then? Click sync. What, I, no, what okay. is it? The face? Let me rephrase. He ain't gonna uh, click
4: uh, themselves. <laughs> bait ain't gonna click itself. There it is. Yes.
1: All right, so let me rephrase. That was, cause that was a terrible question on my part. My bad. What do you think each of the two men, what do you think they believe? the purpose of that conversation, because they, they wouldn't, they don't clearly believe the purpose of that conversation was to, uh, you know, essentially urinate into the wind, as you just it's described, right? It's always what, is. What is, what, what, That may be the de facto, I don't, and we'll find out what the audience thinks here in a few minutes at 888-933-93. But if, if, if you were embedded in the bowels of the conscience of Chuck Todd and or Mick if. Mulvaney, at that moment, while this exchange has taken place on national television, what do you believe in their minds they are – they're hoping to convey well, d- with this exchange?
4: Chuck Todd is doing what all journalists do uh, on these shows. He's doing a a version of what he did last week when it was nothing but um, pro-global uh, warming nonsense. They – it's always that on every show. He's asking a very, very slanted question uh, to try to uh, uh, play gotcha with Nick, and Nick on that side. Mick. It, N- Nick, Mick, excuse Nick. me, That's and okay. Nick on that side uh, is is doing what most Republicans always do and do humana, 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 try to say, I I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm a nice guy. It's okay, and it, you know, instead of pointing out the false premise that Chuck says, Man, you've seen this a hundred times this is there's nothing new here it is substance free So you that's get what, nowhere that, because
1: of it that's what you think is happening there
4: well if if you if you can somehow raise the bar on this for me please go ahead and I'm do not, so I, i'll take a raised bar
1: i i am fascinated to see now i was I, I was the reason i posted this on the facebook wall last night is because i wanted to see what reaction it would get from that audience to in to, And that would influence the way I would approach it. Would I approach it as, um, let me give my analysis of what I think is happening there, or would I approach it as, you know what, there's enough volume and diversity of thought on what this is that I think it would be more fascinating just to let the voters uh, in, in our audience speak for themselves. And we saw that kind of reaction on our Facebook wall. I'll get to some of that here in a few minutes. That's why I am inclined to not put my hand on 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 the uh, you know on the button here i'm in i'm inclined to you know put the whistle in the mouth and uh put on the referee shirt and just call fouls okay aaron what do you think about that exchange
2: oh i'm going a completely different direction here uh so first off uh, i texted something along these lines last night um for all the talk amongst the non-open borders um you know, um, you know, Protect America's Sovereignty crowd about building a wall. There's been little to no discussion about what that wall actually entails. Heck, we haven't even been able to define what a wall is, and I think that conversation kind of illustrated that. Uh, you know, if we're going to spend billions of dollars on a wall across the southern border, should we, you know, do you think maybe we should? maybe we should figure out what a wall is? I don't know. Maybe figure out what it's going to be made out of and... The design, you know, to kind of have some safeguards and security before we build it to see if, you know, might might actually be effective. And then where is it like four chapters in the book of Nehemiah where they debate what a wall is? Yeah, and then who, you know, how would we go about figuring out a way to (laughs) determine whether or not that wall design will be effective? You know, you know, little things like that. So that was my kind of takeaway. It's like, wow, nobody's really talking about this wall, uh, and you know what it might actually w- look like. We haven't even defined what a wall is. Is is it a picket fence? Is it a thirty foot tall concrete monstrosity? Uh, nobody's been talking about that. So I found that kind of interesting. Uh, secondarily, <laughs> um, yeah. Secondarily, it was kind of what you guys said. It, w- it was um, Chuck Todd is obviously trying to urinate on. Uh, The president, which is, you know, par for the course for journalists nowadays. And Mick Mulvaney is trying to do all, uh, you know, words don't mean words what they mean anymore. You know, wall, brick, um, you know, transgender, any Audi, they all mean the same thing nowadays. We're going to do something at the border. We don't even know what a border is, but we're going to do something at the border. It's the same type of deflection and defending that we get of president trump quite a bit from his allies
4: didn't you have the feeling when they're sitting there talking about what, what no it's not it's not a wall it's not a cracking wall it's a fence oh well let's discuss that 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 might be different it was like the saturday night live clip uh, you're that clever land shark no i'm just a dolphin man and he opens up the door how are you having that conversation it's a barrier that stops things was that real to you or was that xanadu you call it a fence and suddenly the conversation's different? I don't care if it's... So how about if it's concrete, but we paint a white picket fence on it? Will that help? They, that was really happening. I could not believe it.
2: Todd, we don't, <laughs> Todd, we don't even know how to defend or d- define gender. So I don't... I'm not... I think it is important, actually. I don't want to crap all over the point that you just made. I do think it is important to define what we mean by a wall. So this is fascinating. So Todd and I are about
1: the same age. You know, Todd's, Todd has been involved and or following politics almost as long as Aaron's been alive. And you're, this is why I compared this to an ink blot. Your immediate takeaway when I asked you for your take without me offering any filter or setup at all, your immediate takeaway was, correct me if I'm wrong, a, you know, decades worth of frustration at watching your Republican proxy on television refuse to refuse to accept the premise of a clearly slanted line of conversation and questioning in order to find some way to say, so I'm not racist. Some of my best friends are black, right? Yes. That this is a repeat of the sort of backpedaling, umana, hamana, hamana, as you described it, that you have witnessed all too often as a as a recovering Republican, lifelong conservative. You've seen this from your Republican champions, it interacting with the media so long, that was your immediate takeaway. It's a good summary. Okay. Aaron, as the millennial that has grown up primarily in an era where nothing is defined. His immediate takeaway <laughs> was They're literally debating what's a wall and what does it mean,
2: right? Do I have that? And and it's a it's a worthwhile conversation. Yes,
1: I I will repeat again. Does a wall mean a fence? Does a fence mean a wall? What's a barrier mean? What are it? what, What does it all mean? What does it all
2: mean? Can we go smoke some weed now?
4: But he's, yes. I, from you, here, from here, Aaron, I just was hearing a guy who builds coffee tables. You were just like, well, can, let's break this down. I mean, are we going to use brass fittings? I mean, you just seem curious about it. Basically,
1: the- Aaron wanted the peyote, and Todd wants <laughs> off of it, right? Is that sort of the result of our sure. week, our, 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 our uh, uh, ink blot test here? Let's go to the phones. 888 933 And I'm going to restrain myself from opining on this, if if possible, the whole show. I just, I want to sit back and I want to listen. Let's start with Tony calling from Michigan here today. Welcome to the Blaze, Tony. What do you think of the exchange we played with Mick Mulvaney and, and Chuck Todd? What are your thoughts?
8: Well, my initial thoughts are that, all right, we're going to make some form of a compromise with the Democrats, okay? It doesn't have to be a concrete wall. It can be a steel fence, but we're still gonna have a barrier. Now let's let the Democrats in Congress move, say, okay, don't call it a wall, call it a barrier, whatever. But we don't need, you know, I don't think that uh, it's that big of a deal, you know, steel, concrete. But I know Aaron's the woodworker there. If they now go down (laughs) next week and say, well, we're gonna do uh, wood instead of, and then we're gonna do paper, you know, keep yeah. going down. Well, then no. I can really see where Todd's at in this.
2: you know, you know I, can I can <laughs> I sure, add go to ahead. this? No, yes. I I think again I will maintain that defining what this wall looks like for this government in this time and in this culture. I think that's very, very important. I don't think we should take for granted that we have anything defined whatsoever at any point. And I'm going to go scream in the corner now.
4: Here's the thing that I know is defined. Which word are we going to be able to slap on whatever (laughs) thing is in between two countries that will pacify the progressives who are doing this as a voter drive? What word?
1: There is none. Tony, how would you respond to what you just heard from either Aaron or Todd? How would you respond to it?
8: Well, I I think that the like Todd said, that the progressives, they, they won't do anything. You could put a paper picket fence and they would still say, no, we're not going to it's still some form of a barrier. Maybe the next thing we should do is just get some bulldozers and fill in the Rio Grande so then it's just Free all the way through, then they would probably, finally say, oh, that's nice.
1: <laughs> so, Tony, do I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, okay? Yep, yep. If I'm reading what you're saying right, you didn't, you don't view this as Mulvaney backtracking the way we've typically seen Republicans, the way Todd interpreted it. It sounds correct. like you think that Mulvaney is, albeit somewhat clumsily, is essentially trying to remove any of the stated objections the Democrats are making in order to get them to admit they just don't want the border secured, no matter what in the world we call it. Is that what I hear you saying?
8: That, that's correct. That's what, that's what okay. I think it is. So
1: Okay. All right. Hey, All Tony, right. thanks for the call, man. Happy New Year. Appreciate you listening, okay? 888 Let's go back to the phones. Let's go to Oklahoma next. And uh, Matthew is there. Matthew, welcome to The Blaze. What do you think, Matthew?
6: I'm hitting my head on the wall right now. Anyway, um, I, I hear backup uh, sirens, you know, from a, a dump truck backing up over us. Um, now, I wasn't a Trump supporter in the primary. I was a Ted Cruz supporter, you know, and then capitulated. Um, but I, I, this is Trump backing up, and, and Mulvaney's doing it. I mean, they've already tweeted it out, said we're backing up. We went from $25 billion down to whatever it was down to 5 billion. Now we're talking about a steel wall. This is the, this is the art of a deal. This is what we got. I don't get it. And I saw the comments on the Facebook post and you're right all over the book, all over the wall, all over the place. It's amazing. I, I just don't get it. How, how I'm not surprised. That's, I'm not surprised at all. What surprises me is the Trump supporters that keep capitulating to this and keep trying to make excuses for it. That's the thing that blows my mind.
1: Hmm. What's your guys' response to what we just heard from uh, Matthew in Oklahoma, <laughs> who's who's uh, who appears to be in a similar place you are in, Todd, compared to our previous caller, well, Tony?
4: I'm used listen, the dump truck sound isn't – New to me, you know, you just wake up in the morning, yeah, expecting it, if not today. I'm kind of,
1: I'm kind of getting to the point yeah. that I'm like, you know, it's actually fairly warm underneath this truck, to be honest with you, mm-hmm. particularly this time of year, you know, I mean, it's cozy. Interesting smells. Yes. Yeah. New smells every day, yes.
4: I, I, just, I don't, whether it's a... Physical wall, a wall from Wakanda with the, the, the pink – I mean really, how much of this conversation about the wall have most of you been spent – well, I wonder if it's going to be metal or concrete. Or, no, you want the problem solved.
1: It is ironic that a bunch of social justice warriors today are upset that Black Panther didn't win anything at the Golden Globes last night when um, it's a movie about a community that is encased in an electronic wall, uh, a force field. That's interesting, don't
4: yeah. you think? Yeah,
1: yeah. And then at the then at the end of the movie, their answer to sharing their secrets of, of of technological advancement, technological, as Aaron likes to say, advancement with the rest of the world, is not to open their borders and let the rest of the mm. world in, but to actually give it to you so, and make you take it back to your country. Maybe
4: you guys need some walls. <laughs> yeah.
2: The best walls. <laughs> See, I'm I'm still a little perturbed that Todd is not more interested in the makeup of the wall. I'm doing that. I'm completely. I'm not kidding. You're banging.
1: Her. You're banging the. I'm, you're banging the table. I am no. For I'm the makeup
2: of the wall. I'm not kidding either. And I'm. I think I'm well fi- founded and justified, and being very, very skepti- skeptical of human beings' ability to do anything correctly. And so I think we do need to have it defined. Uh, but Todd is right. People just want the problem solved. But these people need to be handheld. Our government needs to be handheld the entire time. I think um, though Matthew is on the right path here. Because you know what would be really nice in defining terms, you know what would be really helpful in defining terms, what a wall looks like, what kind of wall it's going to be, how much it's going to cost, and then not backing down from that, like we have multiple times, or like the president has multiple times, as Matthew articulated. you know what would be really helpful in defining all those things? Guess. Take a couple ge- guesses. A bully pulpit that would be really nice no instead we get capitulation after capitulation after capitulation now we don't know how much it's going to cost we obviously don't know how much it's going to cost because we keep going backing down from the price We keep changing what the wall border uh, barrier – What we don't even know what the thing at the border is going to be. We don't even know what a border is now. Uh, We don't even know of that because the bully pulpit here, as much as Donald Trump has hit this issue since he rolled down those escalators at Trump Tower in New York City, as much as he's hit this issue and that was the key issue that launched him into stardom, this time around he has failed at defining what we're actually doing down there, and that's why we're nowhere right now. If he could just articulate – very concisely what's needed what he wants what the price tag is going to be and just say come get it or the government remains shut down but no we keep trying to strike a deal and negotiate a deal here and we see i think matthew again is on the right path that sound you hear um it's a giant sucking sound no of 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 all i mean this this thing is not going to get built it's not going to be a big beautiful wall i think that's clear at this point
1: matthew are you still there by any chance He's gone. Okay. I wanted to ask him where he took issue with Tony's uh, in Michigan's evaluation. How Tony in Michigan had the had listened to the exact same comment and came to the conclusion that this is Mulvaney clumsily attempting to remove all the Democrats' fake objections to just get to them to expose and admit they just don't want to secure the border, no matter what you call it, and why Matthew hears the same comments down there in Oklahoma and takes it as capitulation and backtracking I, I would be fascinated to see how two people who obviously are very well spoken from talking to him the last few minutes heard the exact same soundbite and came to dramatically different conclusions about what it means
4: and i just discovered aaron and i are actually and
1: both live in states trump one by the way
4: Aaron and i are talking about the same thing we have different shibboleths i think aaron is he he'll know this is serious when he sees the blueprints what it's made of what and i'll know it's serious when you're not you know uh parsing na- your nouns on you know what how you want this to be called do you want it to be the donald trump super best ever uh fence or the donald trump super best ever wall or the donald trump super best ever uh sharks with lasers on their heads uh you know i'll i'll know you're serious when you're not having that conversation anymore
1: we have time for another call or not
2: uh very quickly it's
1: pushing it. Yeah. I want to be fair. All right, so if you're on hold right now, I'm going to get to you after the break. 888 900 is the number. 888 900 Are you encouraged, discouraged, or don't care about the way uh, the chief of staff of the White House, acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, in the clip we played here at the top of the hour, uh, went on national television yesterday and attempted to message the current government shutdown fight uh, or lack thereof uh, and lack of action over – the wall, you know, there's a whole other aspect of this that, which is, I thought Mexico was going to pay for the wall, right?
2: What's a Mexico?
1: What, what's a well? I I still submit. I even wrote. I even wrote this column last week for Conservative Review. You can still sort, get in Mexico for for lack of a better description to pay for the wall, just. Stop giving them any foreign aid and and divert all that money to the cost of building a wall until the wall is completed. And do the same for the countries that Obama put on the list of uh, terrorist havens. Mm-hmm. You stop giving that's 1.3 billion dollars right there. Nobody apparently I has a dumb idea though that I have because nobody else is talking about it. Get back to your phone calls here in a moment. <laughs> All right, eight 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 nine hundred thirty three ninety three is the number here on the Blaze, live and on demand, uh, radio and television. 8,8933,93. We are asking you, and I just want—I I just, you know, want in, in the in the following in the footsteps of Donald Trump. I'm very proud of my restraint uh, so far in this conversation. How little I have opined. When I am fairly confident, all of America wants to know what I think. <laughs> Did you like
4: that? I know you are. Uh, you know what?
1: Uh, in this new year, I have resolved to compliment myself more. How am I doing so No nope, BS. Yes,
4: I'm awesome. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right, let's go back to the phones. 888 eight nine hundred thirty I'm just... Taking the temperature of the room, on this exchange, on the wall, on the fence, on the barrier. What is a wall? Is it a backtrack? That, those, are, it, it's actually a, a you know a clumsy, clumsy strategic attempt to you know get the Democrats to admit, uh, get rid of all their false objections. They don't want any border security at all. Period. They're the Open Borders Party. Those are all the responses we've had to this clip so far. All right, let's go back to the phones. Let's go to uh, Jody in Utah. Jody, welcome to the place. What say you?
0: Hey, guys. Happy New Year. Thank you, Jody. So at this point, I really don't care if it is big old concrete wall or if it is the Great Wall of China made of bricks that we happen to be able to magically transport here. It could be dog-eared cedar fencing. It could be chain-link electrified fence with razor wire. I really don't care what it's made out of what I'm looking for is that Gandalf moment you shall not pass that's what I'm looking for
4: there's our girl
0: oh yeah Okay. oh yeah and so for me the fact that we are trying to I'm looking at what Mick Mulvaney was doing and I have to go back to um, the, the caller, and forgive me, I've forgotten his name, that said it's just a ham fisted way of trying to get the Democrats to admit that it could be what someone else has proposed a paper uh, picket fencing, they'd still be having a big old hissy fit over it. I don't, it's, this is the United States of America. I live here for a reason. I don't live south of the border. I don't live north of the border. I live in this country. Those borders are important to me, and it must be respected.
4: Okay. Appreciate
1: your phone call. Definitely the passion as well, Jody. God bless. Thanks for listening, okay? Take care. Eighty-eight nine hundred thirty-three ninety-three. guys have any quick reaction to Jody before we go back to the phones? But-
4: You must have been swooning Lord of the Rings pop culture reference on that one. Nailed it.
1: Let's go to Rhode Island next. And Susan, Susan, welcome to The Blaze. You are live on the air. What do you think?
9: Thank you, gentlemen. And uh, God's blessings to you all for a happy and healthy new year.
1: Thank you. Same to you.
9: Thank you. Uh, (laughs) What would I don't even know where to begin, but let's make it simple. That was a signal to the left, to the Democrats, that they are caving on the wall. Um, I was afraid this was going to happen as soon as we, lose, we lost the House in November. I knew Donald Trump would begin to move to the left. Remember, he still has things on his agenda that most of us conservatives do not want. A $2 trillion infrastructure plan that we can't afford. A $1 trillion family leave act I mean, those are two things that under any other circumstances with any other president, the Democrats would be salivating over. We have to thank the good Lord above that they hate him so much they can't see the forest for the trees or we'd be in real trouble. But I think right now he's fighting for his own survival. He knows this is going to be a tough year for him. Uh, They are going to start impeachment. There will be investigations. And I think he's bargaining now. And I think that was a signal. It may have been clumsy, and that may have been orchestrated that way, to look clumsy. He's letting them know, ah, fence, wall, barrier, paper, doesn't matter. Don't worry. We're not going to push for this thing. Just let me finish out my two years in peace. And maybe I'll give you a few things, like DACA and infrastructure and that Family Leave Act. That's my opinion, and I've had that opinion about him for the last two years. I'll be up front. I was a Ted Cruz supporter right up until the very end. I was hoping for a miracle at the convention, and it didn't happen. Um, I did not vote in the 2016 election, and I'll tell you why. I live in Rhode Island. Hillary Clinton was polling here at 72%, so there was no point in my going to the voting booth and voting for a third party. It would have been pointless. I couldn't support either one of them, Hillary or Trump. It just went against everything I believe in. And maybe I sat on the sidelines, but you know what? That's still a vote. It's a vote that said, I don't accept what you've put up as our candidates because they're not representative of what I want for our country.
1: Okay. Appreciate the Thank passion you. with you as well, Susan. Thanks for the call. God bless, okay? So we've, we've been at this now for 30 minutes. First two calls, two men in stage Trump won. Obviously, well-spoken. Neither one of them are fumbling around for their words. You know, full motor function, reasonably intelligent individuals at the very least have two totally different takes on what that clip is. We come back from break we take first two calls two women very passionate very informed two totally different takes on what that clip means hmm you know this is only the number one political issue happening in the country right now and we've we've taken a, a, almost a half dozen calls from all over the country, from the kinds of people that the Republican Party and Donald Trump are going to need to get them to vote their way in 2020, and that's sample size. And it's exactly what I saw on my Facebook wall. Not even not receiving the not even in unity in the message they're receiving from the. I don't know which it is, by the way. If you're going to ask me, I, I don't. I think it's just as possible. Uh, yes, I, I think it's. Um, if you want it to be their backtracking that's what it is. If you want it to be they're trying to uh flesh out false objections that's that's what it is.
2: And there's the Mona almost- Lisa of narratives. That's is a she good smiling analogy. smiling or That's a good analogy. And there's
4: almost a perfect anti-harmony in terms of how we're ending the show and how we're beginning the show because (laughs) at the beginning, I know everything about everything. And here we're talking about one issue, the primary issue he won on, the one issue that well, one of a handful of issues that mean the most to people who walk under the banner of conservatism and everybody on that issue is kind of saying "Eh, I don't don't know if you've got this one quite mastered. You know, there's that great uh, movie Oh, it was 1990, I think. Uh, one of my favorites, uh, The Hunt for Red October. And Scott Glenn's uh, submarine captain uh, said right, right right at the end, the two subs are coming at each other. Hard part about playing chicken, son. It's knowing when to flinch. And, boy, everybody just is thinking in their good. Donald Trump's going to flinch again, isn't he?
1: Let's get one more. To, let's get a rubber match. All right. Best out of five. Let's go to Gale in, Vir- in Virginia to settle this conversation. Gail, what is your opinion of the clip we played earlier this hour of White House Chief of Staff Mick Mulvaney attempting to give the White House's latest messaging on the wall to meet the press yesterday? What do you think?
10: Well, um, I'm kind of nervous, so bear with me. I'm probably not as well spoken as the rest, but I didn't think it was ever going to happen in the first place. Um I do did not vote for Trump. Um I did not support him in any way shape or form. I have never believed a word that has come out of his mouth and I think that is usual. The Republicans didn't have a plan. They didn't know how much it was going to cost. They didn't know how it was going to be implemented. They didn't know where it was going to be built. And I think that basically what's going on is that they're just trying to um state the populist opinion in order to get themselves reelected. And I I just... I can't see it any other way. I, they have not done a thing in the world that they said that they were going to do and they're going to lose the presidency because people are sick and tired of it and they're just not going to stand for it anymore. And they're going to, they're going to do what that last lady did. They're going to stay away from the polls because they don't believe in anybody and they don't believe in anything. Because if you believe in reality, you're living in the wrong time zone you know we don't function in reality anymore we function as how we feel how it makes us feel how it makes us look to the world how it you know uh, uh appears to everybody else we don't function on fact we don't function on the constitution we don't function in any realistic form anymore it's all just whatever, you know, kind of like the hippie days, go with the flow, whatever feels good, whatever floats your boat, you know, and I just, Mm. I never believed Trump from the get-go.
4: All right, Gail, thank you very much. So, breaking news, germane to this discussion, I think, uh, at least breaking to me, uh, the president is going to address the entire nation tomorrow night on the subject of the government shutdown on the wall.
1: So, Gail expressed a systemic pre existing condition. Uh, see what I did there? Uh, that is just suspicious of the direction of the culture and the government, period. Basically, we're not a culture capable of keeping our promises uh, or maintaining our birthright and legacy. Is that kind of what you heard mm-hmm. Gail say? And that this whole, the fact that we're even in her mind, it sounded like the fact we're even having this debate that we're, that we're sitting here we played a two minute clip and I offered no commentary to ask any leading question at all. And the two guys that work with me full time had two, had their own separate takeaways. And then members of the audience all had different conclusions of what they of interpreting what that means, and again, keep in mind, everyone we've talked to here today, and that has given an opinion about this, is someone that the Republican Party and the, this president, if they want to win the next election, needs to basically run the table with all of you as voters. They, they can't win any less than like ninety-eight and a half percent of them, and. This is the number one political issue happening in the country right now. And what I hear in my own audience that who's bait, who is a, a, a must-have base of support for the GOP is there's not even unanimity in what, what today's messaging is from on high. Is that, was, is that sort of the takeaway? So I looked at my Facebook wall. This isn't unique. If you read the comments... I posted this yesterday as sort of a test market um, on on this conversation. So I posted it 21 hours ago. Jonathan Fry, you really cannot believe anything this administration says because time and time again they change their minds based on what news channels are promoting. Sue Ketchum, her follow-up to that. Or they make a real attempt to respond to feedback from voters and or find a way to reach a compromise that both sides can accept. Bipartisan efforts can look like backing down or changing with the wind, but maybe, maybe real work to get something done. Try to see the potential and keep all in prayer. It's impossible to negotiate with a brick wall. That's what the Democrats have become. They will not approve of anything that Trump proposes, even if it's for the benefit of the country. Jerry Ballard, if you read what Mulvaney said, it's pure semantics. It's a wall, it's a fence, it's a barrier. Pick your fave. I find the whole thing utterly childish and embarrassing. I like that guy. Even in concrete, you don't have to have steel um, uh, for a barrier. This isn't Mexico and our president knows how to build things. A wall is nothing to him. What I just shared with you is one subsect of replies to one reply, I—that's I, it—and it—it is the—it is the exact mirror, exact mirror of the conversation I just opened up the phone lines and listened to for the last forty minutes. What do you think that means, gentlemen?
4: Well, it means we're sheep without a shepherd. Yeah. in a GOP, you know, loosely aligned. Uh, sense uh, courts or no courts in terms of the judges uh, we talked earlier about uh, how high in the priority list um, but checking those box that box twice clearly is not enough to solidify a trust uh, in this president uh, we just went through election that did not go well and now on a daily basis we have to be lectured by the likes of uh, Ocasio-Cortez that is people are going to grow tired if the high ground is being claimed by the likes of her and they're going to wonder, Donald Trump, we voted you to be Donald Trump, not to be Jeb Bush. What is going on?
2: Aaron? Yeah, this is a uh, house divided against itself. I mean this is uh, – so the, the, the general sentiment is this is childish. This is four-dimensional chess. It's the Democrats' fault. It's the administration's fault. Uh, the wall's getting built. I don't care how. Uh, the walls never getting built that was a, a lie those are all of the all of the uh responses and guys this is not our audience is at the very least right of center this is not including all the responses to people who want the progressive utopia open borders mm-hmm, crowd mm-hmm. this is all on this is all on one side uh, that's that's not good
1: so now let's do the math here on the show in the final few minutes. Do you think there's a reason why I wanted to open the show with the montage I did, given the truth bomb that I knew we were going to open up the phones and discuss? Do you think there might have been a reason I made this decision?
2: You're playing four-dimensional chess.
1: No, four-dimensional chess does not exist. I was simply playing chess. There is actual chess, but four-dimensional chess does not exist.
4: You heard me say there's a perfect symmetry to it, so I'd imagine yes.
1: There, There is the the symmetry is again when elections are about issues republicans win when they're about personalities democrats win now the problem that that had, that republicans have with that equation is in order to have an election be about issues most of the time you can't count on um the democrats always nominating get off my lawn dragon lady you know that th- you can't count on that what what happens when they nominate uh, the guy who would be America's first black president? What happens when they do that? And that's a powerful narrative. How are you going to overcome that? What happens when they nominate the first baby boomer candidate and he's on Arsenio Hall playing saxophone? And he looks at you and says, I feel your pain. That's a powerful narrative. How do you overcome that? Well, the, the problem that you're going to have when the Republican Party, what it needs to do It's something I'm not sure it's either capable or willing to do. And that's why he ended up with somebody like Trump to begin with. And that is, A, you need someone who firmly believes in the principles that are articulating to the country. It doesn't matter how many times you call, it doesn't matter how many times Bob Dornan, God bless him, is on the floor of the House calling Bill Clinton a draft dodger and he was. Once George H.W. Bush went back on his no new taxes pledge, he was going to lose. It was just a matter of to whom and what the margin was going to be. Bad Republicans always lead to worse Democrats, period. End of sentence. That's an undeniable truth of American politics. So you need someone who actually believes in the values they're articulating to the country, and most Republicans don't. But then you need someone who is a, if they do believe those things, is a credible ambassador for them. Because while when elections are about issues, Republicans win, people don't go to the polls and vote for issues either. What do they vote for? People. people. They vote for people. Fascinating thought exercise today. I enjoyed it. Hopefully, you did. Back at it again tomorrow. Until then, John three seventeen.
0: This is Steve Days.
6: on the Blaze Radio Network.